The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, AWeber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, AWeber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. AWeber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by The Alternative Board. Since 1989, The Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to connect with our affiliate sponsor, GSM Growth Agency. They're boosting e-commerce businesses to six and seven figures in revenue and cover everything from ads and social media influencers to making your website better. GSM Growth Agency focuses on taking businesses from startup success to bigger success, going above and beyond to make sure growth sticks around. They're all about cool ideas, lasting partnerships, and making your mark in the e-commerce world. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Presence, product. Um, the, the third thing you need is you need people, which is your network. Uh, right now, we're probably running about 20,000 connections. I'd say probably better than half of those are executives on LinkedIn. Um and there's a prop collectively, like you and your partner. Sorry, collectively. No, I mean you, you me. and your partners have about twenty thousand. Just, just me. you, just me, and then Very our good. business page is running about just a little under two thousand at the moment because we didn't start that up till about a year and a half ago. Um, but um, you know, what we're going to give away right at the end is you know. So I wrote actually co-wrote a book with one of my graduate students from ASU when I was teaching in ASU called Ready Set Get Hired. Uh-huh. Um, and it's really a, a book about how we used my process to find clients and develop relationships with clients, you know, build that network, uh, how to do that to get a job. Uh, it was written by Rita Creasy Reed, and uh, she used the process. It's all in the book. Um, and she got her Nirvana job. Took some time, particularly when you're looking for senior management position. It takes a little bit of time uh, to do that. So, right. So build, build your network. Uh, you need to be, you know, one of the things we found out as, as an entrepreneur early on is that you want to be, you need to use the 80-20 rule and 80, 80% of your time should be selling, connecting, having a conversation, not cold calling, um, making connections, no, no. giving things away, right. you know, helping others, right, so that you can build those relationships. And the other 20% of the time is on development of, of your shtick or your product. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the podcast. I have a great guest. We're going to talk about um, lead generation. We're going to talk about all the things you should do as a business owner to build your business. I think, Kevin, we're going to talk about LinkedIn, right, and what you can do on LinkedIn. So uh, if you're listening on your favorite podcast directory, please leave us a five-star review. If you are watching us on YouTube, subscribe, like us, ring the bell, and uh, all those kind of things so we can keep bringing you the kind of guests that we've been able to do over the last four and a half years. So let's get on with today's uh, show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. 
The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, I am Dr. Kevin Gazzara. I am the senior partner at Magna Leadership Solutions. I am a university professor uh, and I am an entrepreneur. All right, Kevin. So um, where, where are you? What part of the country are you? I have a, we have a home in Phoenix, Arizona, where I spend a, probably about half of my okay. time, and then also a house here in Southern California, where my two daughters oh, are good. and my two grandchildren are. So nice. I'm in California today. So, so. You're mostly a West Coast guy. So my, my daughter just got into, I don't know if she's going to go or not, but she just got into University of Arizona. Phoenix is where ASU is, or is that closer Fe- to you? Phoenix is ASU, which I've been a professor at for, okay. I was there for about five years. And both of my daughters uh, graduated from the University of Arizona, one in engineering and the other in, I'm sorry? That's near Tucson? Near Tucson. It's about 100 miles from where we live. Yeah, great. Both both are great universities. Uh, Out in Phoenix and Scottsdale, do they still have, uh, what's that resort, the Phoenician? Is that still there? Absolutely, it's still there. I've been there for some conventions way back. Um, Okay, so... Why don't you, why don't we do this? Why don't you share your background a little bit, training, education, whatever you want to talk about. And then, you know, we can get into like what you're doing now for entrepreneurs and working with them and, and some stories about your, cause I know you have entrepreneurial experience. So we'll talk, share your stories and then uh, we'll get into your book in the second half of the show. Does that sure. make sense? I'll try to keep the upfront stuff relatively <laughs> light and short uh, so that okay. we can spend most of the time you know, where I can share, I have a process, my 6P process on what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. And my hope is, is to be able to share that with people that are either struggling as entrepreneurs or thinking about going into being an entrepreneur. And I'll use, I'll share the process that I used uh, that has been incredibly successful. So um, yeah, it's all what the podcast is about. Good, good. All right. So I want to just make sure people get really, really useful stuff, uh, actionable things that they can do immediately after listening to the podcast. And for those of of, uh, the listeners that stick to the end, uh, we're actually going to give you, I'm going to give away my book just to them. So great. So we'll give you the, the link at the end if you want. Okay, so, sounds good. Um, so, yeah, born, uh, so real quick, born and raised in Philadelphia. Uh, I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial uh, spirit, like even. You're an Eagles fan? Is that, are you an Eagles fan? Uh, well, I, you know, living in Arizona for 30 years, I kind of have to yeah, split my okay, uh, okay. alliances <laughs> with the uh, Eagles and the Cardinals and so Got forth. It. But okay. uh, of course, I, you know, I follow, follow the Eagles uh, and the Phillies as well. Um, <laughs> All right, I won't but I've always kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit uh, ever since I was a kid, you know, uh, very pra- pragmatic. You know, a lot of my friends who were working for, you know, back, you know, boy, I graduated in high school from 1973. 
So I've been in, in this uh-huh. world for quite some time. Uh, and a lot of my friends were working, you know, the dollar twenty-five an hour jobs, you know, for the week, you know, before high, you know, uh, after high school uh, classes were done and over the weekend and so forth, you know, bringing home like 30 bucks right. a, a week to, to kind of uh, give them some play, play money. And, and it just didn't seem, uh, you know, like the, an, an ideal way to use your time. So I decided, you know, at the age of 12 to start up a, a lawn business, right? So where I could make $10 an hour instead of $1.25 an hour. Uh, and that grew and I had the good news was, you know, being kind of always kind of having the servant leadership model, you know, when I was, you know, going to the shore with my parents or we were away or I, I had basically too, I had gotten too much work, I could bring my friends and I could help them get, you know, uh, you know, make, make some more money. So, so it was, uh, you know, if you, if you give back, uh, that's always kind of been a model for me. So, yeah. so I kind of always had this, okay. you know, and then I started studying drums you know, so I'm, I've been a drummer for God, 50 plus years. Uh, and I started teaching when I was 14. Once again, you know, I could either do the dollar 25 an hour. Or I think I, back then I was charging $5 an hour, $7 an hour, something like that. Uh, and, and it worked really well. Uh, and it, and it kind of really fed kind of my need. And then, you know, I didn't have to ask my mom and dad for money and we saved for things. And, you know, when I wanted a better drum set or I wanted a new bicycle, whatever, you know, it was, it was my money. So, so that's kind of where I started, you know, I was born and raised in Philadelphia area in, in Levittown, Pennsylvania. I did my undergraduate uh, in engineering and business at Drexel University, did my sure. um, ma- master's MBA at Philadelphia University, and then ultimately uh, went to uh, the University of Phoenix and actually did my doctorate. I have a unique distinction uh, that I am the very first Phoenix graduate of the, their doctoral program. So, yeah. Really? There was a new program when you joined. I, we were the first, there were 10 of us that went through. Nine of us graduated. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then the other guy just, he got stuck in just rewriting his dissertation, you know, a dozen times and, and never published it. Never yeah. did it. So that's how you ended up out West? So I went from the doctoral program? Uh, actually, actually, I worked for a company. Um, I worked for a company called Transamerica de Laval in Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, we made big, heavy okay. equipment. So when I got out of school, I went to work there as a product manager, and I became a program manager and ultimately a, a general manager for a small division for them. Uh, and we did steam turbines, compressors, pumps, big, heavy equipment, big stuff, custom yeah, kind of right. things, not off-the-shelf types of things. Um, but you know, during that time, that 10 years I was there, I had this passion for computers. Uh, IBM computers were just coming in. Into play, and we we got one of those, and I was fascinated by it. Nobody else wanted to touch it, Uh, so so we did. I did computers. I also got heavily involved in doing um, promotional videos and films and so forth. So I had lots and lots of different things, and being a musician and kind of having that creative side of the brain always trying to overtake me. um, uh, Basically, uh, I learned a lot of different things, and then. Surprisingly enough, Intel bought in 1988, October of 88, bought the digital video technology from RCA and General Electric uh, and opened up a division in Princeton, which was about 29 Mm -hmm. miles from my home. Uh, And it basically brought all the things I love to do. It brought video, it brought computers, uh, they wanted a product manager. Uh, I had set up, you know, organizations to do this. So, um, right. So I, 
when you were at Drexel, you were were you an engineering major? I mean, most most Drexel's engineers. But yeah, actually, they had they had a great degree. I started in electrical, um, so I did a lot of extra electrical, uh, and I found out that I it just wasn't feeding my passion. I was much more of a people person. So they had a degree called um, uh, commerce and engineering. So it was half engineering, half business, and very similar to you know what you would do for an industrial engineering degree. So. So I moved over to doing that, okay. and that was a really good fit. So you had to pick a business major, which was marketing, and then you had to pick an engineering major, which I did electrical. So I had a little bit of, but you had the nice thing was is you had to take all of the uh, different courses. You had to take mechanical and civil and uh, chemical and right, electrical. right. That's good background. Good. Job. Yeah. So it gave you a, a really good opportunity to right. to go into lots of different industries, but uh, but with my passion being around computers and video and so forth. This was a great opportunity at Intel, uh, and basically, I, you know, to tell you how how crazed I was back then, you used to have to find your your jobs looking in a newspaper, right? You open up the ads, and right. and and, right. and I had I had gotten this massive oh, micromanager boss, uh, in, when I was working for this company called D Laval, um, that Transamerica had owned, and. Uh, he was just driving me crazy, and I came home one Friday, and then I just said to my wife, uh, "Boy, I just cannot work for this guy anymore. He is just such a terrible manager." Uh, so she said, "All right, well, go just find another job." And I, I remember Sunday night opening up the newspaper, and there was this ad uh, for Intel. They want to look. At, they wanted a product manager, and they wanted somebody with an MBA, with an engineering background. You know, had done startups. Uh, new computers, new video, like like they had written it for me. So on mo- Monday morning, I went into the office. I went to my uh, administrative assistant uh, and said to her, um, "Book me on a flight to San Francisco. I'm um, going out to San Francisco, you know, because we had distributors out there. I'm going to do some training with them." So I landed in San Francisco. I called Intel when I landed, and I said, "Hey, mm-hmm. I am here to interview for that job." I said, "I know you're going to get a thousand people that want this. I said, I am the person for the position. And if you don't interview, I have an open ticket for, for the way back. Uh, and if you don't interview me, I'm going to come and sit in your lobby. And they thought I was a little <laughs> bit crazy. But fortunately, the right. recruiter uh, said, okay, all right. Like, you know, we're not paying for you, right? Right. You live there, right but you right flew here. And, yeah, yeah right. so, uh, so so were they doing? They weren't even doing chips in those days, right? Oh no, they they were they were doing chips. You know, they were you know, oh, they, they were doing. Were. You know, the, it was right up around the time where the two eighty six was was there, um, oh, so they and they they were looking to expand. Right? right, they were looking to get into video, getting into more visual for for computers. So, um, so I went and had my interview. Okay. Worst interview of my life. It couldn't have gone worse. The the guy That's that was funny. hiring had only hired chip designers. You know, the whole. Fourier into a, uh, you know, into, you know, an acquisition for video, they had no experience. So, but the fortunate thing was uh, he picked up the phone and he called the general manager back in, in Princeton and said, Hey, there's a guy that lives there, but he flew out here and we didn't pay for him. So don't go crazy here on me. Uh, and here's what he has, but he ha- doesn't have any chip design, but he has everything in the ad. And do you want to talk to him? And the GM st- like yelled at him. It's like, of course we want to talk to him. He's, you know, there's not a lot of people that have that, for, that right? experience. <laughs> uh, and then fortunately, so fortunately, you know, a couple of weeks later they called me in. I did all my interviews. 
Um, ultimately, I think they just hired me so I would stop bothering them. They could get some work done. Um, That's funny. So did you, so you took the job, was in Princeton? It was in Princeton. Was in- yeah, it was in Princeton. And then ultimately the division grew so, so large that um, they, you know, brought us all into the Marriott one day. And they said, we've got good news and bad news for you. We had grown to about 170 people and the division was targeted to grow to 300, but it was difficult for them to get engineers from the West coast to move, you know, to a small division on the East coast. So they decided, you know, we're going to offer you all jobs. The problem is, is they're not going to be here in, in Princeton. So they moved all the hardware people to Phoenix where I went, you know, 30 years ago. They moved the software people to Oregon, and then the business development people went to Santa Clara. The good news is they offered all of the sites to anybody, and they offered everyone, all 170 people, jobs, even including the receptionists, which to me is a As long as you wanted, as long as you would move west. As long as you move west. And they they covered everything, and they put a full court press on us. Nice. Um, They they got about 90 people to, to take the offer, which, you know, if anybody's looked at that, that's amazing. Yeah, you get to live in a new place, and they're paying for everything. Yeah, yes. And I assume your salary didn't go down, right? So you're moving to a place where the cost of living's lower, right? From New Jersey, right? Yeah, you, could, you know, you could buy a house that was fifty percent bigger for the same price. Cost of right. living's low. Exactly. Arizona was a fantastic place to to bring. I had you know two kids, you know, eight and eleven. And uh, right. the two girls that went to the University of Arizona. The cool thing that we didn't know was that uh, if your kid, if you have smart kids, and you're in Arizona, uh, and they're in the top five percent of the class, they can go to any of the school schools for free, for, for free, free, no ride, so full ride, right. nothing. Unfortunately, my kids are really bright, so one went and did her degree in electrical engineering, the other did pre med, uh, and it didn't cost out a dime. Now, of course, when the kids yeah. went to graduate school and get their doctorates, they were negotiating with dad because dad didn't have to pay for anything <laughs> undergraduate. Right, of course. But, yeah, well, I, I got to say, Arizona is still pretty generous. My, We're in New Jersey. My daughter is in, you know, top whatever quartile of her class, and she's in their criteria range. And they, from the get-go, wanted to go there. They offered, I don't know, 20 some odd thousand a year, which is like half of the tuition, which is big for yeah. You know, out of state, my other kids went to Indiana and Maryland. They didn't offer us boo. They told us, "Oh, well, you can get loans." I go, "That's not financial aid. That's money I owe to other people." So, <laughs> you know, they'll help you out of state. They but they count that towards meeting people's financial needs, loans, yeah. which I think is un, unfair. But Arizona is very generous, so maybe she'll end up going yeah. out there. Yeah. So, so I worked at I worked at um, uh, in, Intel for eighteen years and had a lot of different jobs. I came in as a customer marketing engineer and. Then I was the product manager. Then I was the G, the operations manager, and then the GM for the small division. But uh, the cool okay. thing that, that Intel does is every seven years you get a two month sabbatical. Um, yeah, wow. uh, every seven years, uh, kind of to go out and refresh, turn everything off. You leave the laptop there, no cell phones, nothing. They really want you to refresh uh, and then come back. And that's usually a good opportunity to go do something different. So um, when mm-hmm. I when I left, I uh, as part of when you're when you're a manager, you have to do 40 hours of training, delivering it. You know that's the model that Intel used, and I was doing a lot of management leadership development training. So when I went on my first sabbatical, uh, there was an, the guy that was running Intel University for the world, uh, basically said, "Hey, I 
my the guy that I had in in Phoenix is moving to Oregon, and I need a, someone to manage until university for all of Arizona. Um, just to give you an idea, um, they they were doing like six to nine hundred um, courses a month. So so this this was. But this is only for their employees. Oh, or just no? for employees. Right? The kind of thing you can yeah, call? yeah, and a good portion of them so were for the fab, right? For the where the fab where the chips are made, right? So there's, you have to do lots and lots of safety training on an ongoing basis. So a good portion of that, probably more than fifty percent, was yeah. for fab related. So, um, okay. so he said, hey, you know, would you like to kind of kind of come over to the dark side to the to HR, move from the technical side because I was managing chip designs, and I said, yeah, sure, let's let's do it. And um, so I managed Intel University for several years, and then I had the opportunity. My last six years there, uh, or actually seven years, I spent managing um, Intel's learning and development uh, for the world for the first and midline manager programs. Uh, and we used to do 2,500 managers and leaders in 10 different countries each year. Um, and when I retired from Intel in two, June of 2007, uh, uh, mm-hmm. we had just finished training our 40,000th manager. So, uh, so I got pretty, wow. so this is training and retraining. It's not just training. It's retraining, updating. No, th- this, this, training. this was through one specific program, the program I was running, which was a immersive program for five to six days that we take 126 managers off site, you know, in all around the world and give them all the basics around communication and conflict and, and planning and uh, uh, these were new hires or no? Uh, they for, were- first, first managers, and then we also had a program uh, for middle managers. The, the first line one was called managing through people. The middle managers, mm-hmm. managers of managers, was called leading through people. And uh, yeah, okay. so so we we did that. And uh, but the interesting thing, Mitch, was that you know uh, I had a great mentor and a coach uh, at Intel. Mm-hmm. for many, many years. Uh, and I had a 10-year plan. And my 10-year plan was when I hit 50, uh, I was going to punch out of, uh, of the corporate world and then go do become an entrepreneur. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, it's a good plan. Was, it was a good plan. I had a great financial advisor. I had a wonderful mentor at Intel. Uh, we met on a monthly basis. Uh, we cra- crafted the 10-year roadmap of where I had to be you know, from from my knowledge, my learning, my experience, my finances, my network, all of those things. You know, we had this kind of nice ramp time, uh, and then one. Did, did Intel have a formal mentorship program? Is that how you met this guy? Was it a guy that you knew, got to know, and then he mentored you? Uh, well, also an interesting story. Uh, it was it was okay. a woman. Uh, uh, she's, she's about five foot tall. Her name was Cecilia. She was the the manager of Intel. Uh, HR for all of, of Intel. So she manages, managed, okay. she was HR for HR. Um, and HR. So she was the HR. She person. was the HR. She was the HR person reporting to executives staff. Um, Got it. And okay. wonderful mentor. Um, I, Intel did not have a mentoring program. Um, no. And a lot of stuff that I had done in my MBA, I recognized I needed one. So I, I went out and I said, let me find someone. Uh, that has contact at a very senior level, like with Andy Grove and you know Craig Barrett and people at the very very top top level, you know CEOs and presidents. Um, 
reference because right. I need that point of reference because ultimately I want to move into you know working with those kind of people. So I found Cecilia. I wrote up a proposal for her because there was no mentoring program in Intel. And okay. uh, she said, yeah, okay, let's do this. And we did it for six years. And she's a little bit of a jokester. She's from New York. Um, and she called okay. me one morning, I remember, and said, hey, we have to terminate our mentoring. I can't do this anymore. And we're done. And I thought, oh, my God, what did I do? And then and right. she, said, she said, yeah, I, I really can't mentor you if I'm going to hire you. So she, so she said, Hey, ah, I just want to bring you over. To yeah. She said, I, you know, I've, we've had a chance to work together for five years. You've got this mentoring program that you designed. I want you to do the same thing for all of Intel or actually for HR with the intent. So I designed Intel's mentoring program for HR and the program I had, I said, design it in such a way that you can take HR off the top and just put Intel there. And then we are going to give it to Intel after we're running running it for, you know, eighteen months or so, and to to prove the concept. So basically, you wanted your own mentor, and as a result, Intel started a mentoring yes. program. Well, it wasn't because of me; it was just because no, Cecilia well, yeah, recognized because that. You chose. Right, exactly, right. You had been mentoring with some other guy in the company who you had become friends with and looked to it for advice, and he wasn't in that position. This that might not have happened. Yeah, uh, exactly. Well, right. and you know, she, you know, Cecilia had a. She had five years to kind of learn what worked and what didn't. So we put all of that knowledge together uh, and we created an awesome, awesome mentoring program. And ultimately, after about 18 months, we handed it over to Intel and they ran it. Um, and then all the stuff hit the fan, you know, with the dot com thing and and lots of the things that were the right thing to do kind of got uh, left to the site. Right, right, right. All right. But. But you, you, so you, you, so you finished eighteen years of a ten-year plan. You said right, so kind of let, went a little bit longer than you planned, and then you. So that would make you, you said fifty. You would have been at ten years, right? So that means at fifty-eight. No, no, I actually did. I uh, no. I didn't start the ten-year plan until about eight years into it, right? So. Um, oh, so it was a ten-year plan. You stuck stuck to the plan, stuck to the plan for for sure. Okay. Uh, and, uh, okay, so you're about 50 then. I was just, I, yeah, I just turned 51 actually. Um, when I was 50, you know, I had a great financial advisor, and I remember him calling me. Chris called me on, uh, and I have, I've had him for 30 years. Uh, and he called me and said, he said, Happy birthday, of course. And he said, You know, well, we've been working on this plan, and anytime that you want to punch out or, uh, and just go do whatever you want. You can do that, and you don't have to make any more money the rest of your life. It doesn't matter, which is what the plan was. So I felt very, very fortunate to be able to do that. But then he talked me out of it. He said, are you still learning? Are you still building your network? Are you, are you still having a good yeah. time? Are you making a difference? Do you like your, your boss? And was, yes, 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 yes. And he said, you know, we've picked 50 as a kind of a nominal number. Just kind of look for that message from God. And, and fortunately, like nine right. months later, uh, I got the message from God. They brought in a new VP from finance into HR, and he said, "You know all this leadership crap that we're that you're doing. We're not going to oh, do that anymore." And ching doorbell. And, yeah. and I said, you know, I called Chris and I said, "Hey, Chris, I think I just got the message from God here." <laughs> so, so two of my colleagues, two of my colleagues were in in a similar boat that they were looking to 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 move out of the corporate world as well. Um, so in the uh, June 17th 
Uh, actually, June 1st, we gave our we all handed in our resignation, and two weeks later, uh, we had a we had a company, and it was we called it Magna Leadership Solutions. So three of us are. So that's but that was your plan because of you involved in management, leadership, and training. That would be, that was your venture. You were going to go and do for other companies or businesses or individuals, bring the kind of leadership and training that you had spent so many years developing. Yeah, yeah, and I think the big thing was okay. what we want. What I recognized is, you know, there's not a lot of companies, small to medium sized companies, that have a ten million dollar budget or more than that to be able to, to develop and deploy these kind of programs. Right. When I really, I, I right. learned so much, I developed so much. Um, you know, over the, the, the running until university, as well as the six years of running the management leadership development programs that I really wanted to give back. And fortunately, you know, from yeah. a financial perspective, I, you know, I could do that without having to worry about, you know, paying the mortgage or, you know, car loans and, and right. so forth. So that's what we've been doing. Um, last year we celebrated our, or this year we celebrated our 16th year in business. Last year was our best year ever. And we get to go. Right and help, you know, small to medium sized organizations or even big organized uh, departments within bigger organizations, we help them, you know, uh, develop people that are true leaders, you know, and the advantage that they get is that they get their people to stay. And and particularly in today's market, when there is, uh, it's, you know, it's much more of a seller's market, you know, people, people just can't fill the position. So, you know, developing your leaders, so that people stay is worth, you know, a fortune to most organizations. Yeah. There's definitely a, there's definitely an area of, of kind of, you know, branding your environment and branding your company for the employee to say, because I I think a lot, especially the younger people, they kind of feel like you need us better more than we need you, which is probably not true. It's just their perception. And I think that companies are looking to, yeah, attract the right kind of people in their, and they're competing. But I also think that leadership and leadership development at the low level, very lacking. Yeah. I mean, if you think about leadership, leadership training, you think of corporations, you know, you think of Johnson and Johnson and you think of these big companies where they bring in, they have the budget, right? So they bring in guys like you to speak and to train and they have programs and all kinds of stuff. But l- small companies really go off the rails when their leadership is lacking, when the, when the, the boss really doesn't know how to properly motivate people, empower them, make them feel like they're part of things. And I don't think people really recognize the negative impact that it has on the business's growth and development. And, you know, business starts getting siloed and people aren't communicating. They're doing the wrong things and they're not supporting each other. They don't even know what the vision is. They're just worried about what the boss is going to be pissed about or whatever. And I, I think it's an area that, uh, you know, if you're able to do it, especially if you're able to do it from a give back standpoint where you can't always get paid as much as you should be getting paid for what you do, but can still help a lot of people. It all comes back, I think, right? It all comes around. The yeah. And one, you know, one of the things that, you know, the normal phone call you get is, you know, from it's usually from organizations that are kind of uh, late to the game, you know, where their turnover is 20 or 30 or 40 percent, you know, and they and they've recognized that yeah, they need they need right? some kind of intervention. Uh, and they want to know, like, right. well, what's your program cost? And one of the things that we developed was, uh, and anybody can access this, we offer it for free. It's called, if you go to attritioncalculator.com, we, we, the first thing that we do is we ask who's ever calling, whether it's a, the HR person or a manager or even the CEO, we say, you know, what's your turnover and what's it costing you? Um, and without fail, none of them, 
know what it is. So we say, right. let's, let's go on. You know, it takes about 30 seconds to figure it out. Tell me your number of people. Tell me your turnover. Tell me the average salary. You can do it by department or the whole company, whatever. And you hit a button and it, and it uses about 25 different variables, industry standard variables. And it says, bam, okay, you're spending. We did this for a big company up in North Phoenix. Uh, they were losing about $7 million a year in their turnover. And then right. we said, you know, what would you, you know, what would you uh, invest to, to save? I said, we probably can't get you all $7 million and get you half of it. Right. Right. You know, what yeah. would you invest to save $3 million? Right. And, and we said, you know, would you, how about, you know, what kind of return on investment would you like? Five, ten, right? You know, ten, ten x, hundred x, right? Yeah. Right yeah. now, yeah. Sales, so sales, we, sales. Now, I'm assuming from a sta- from the standpoint of the employer for people listening, right? You're talking about like the cost to retrain an employee, the lost productivity because right. you have a new employee, probably customers you, you lose because that other person left or whatever. You know all that, all those kind of variables that fit into that. That's where those figures come exactly. From. Yeah, and you can you can see if you if any of the listeners go to the site, you can see it gives you the whole breakdown of what what they oh, okay. what they're using, and and you can you can tweak tweak with the numbers. But but ultimately, like this client in Phoenix, you know they were losing seven million dollars, and we said, you know, um, you know, uh, how about if we gave you, you know, a, a ten a ten x or a hundred X return on 10 X return on your investment. You know, would you, would you spend right. 70 to save 700 or would you spend 30 to save 300? And, and you, and usually right. what you can find in the first conversation is, is if the client goes, gee, you know, I really don't have $30,000 to spend or whatever the number is, then we know, right. Hey, you're not a good client for us. Right. There's lots of people that you can right. do training. We don't do training. You know, everything is applied, right? You bring in the real problems and we give you the tools to work through them. So you're solving the, re- you're doing real work instead of training. Cause training is a sunk cost. Um, we want you to invest mm-hmm. in your people. Um, and then, you know, we'll guarantee a certain percentage, uh, you know, whatever your turnover is, we'll guarantee that and we'll continue to work with you till you get there. So, so that, that the value okay. pricing seems to, to work a whole lot better rather than it just something that's a sunk cost. Okay, so why don't we do this? Uh, we're about 30 minutes, some odd 32 minutes in. Let me break for commercials. Okay. Some few people are paying me a little bit of money. And then we'll come back. We'll talk about your, your six points. We'll talk about your book. We'll talk about all kinds of things that people should know. Uh, I think the book has something to do with LinkedIn, you mentioned. And we can start giving people some tools and, and some ideas, sure. all right? Okay. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. 
through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly tab board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, tab membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Are you struggling with managing advertising due to a lack of time or expertise? Perhaps you're facing challenges in scaling ads for your store. Are you feeling lost when strategies have no success? GSM Growth Agency is your reliable partner in overcoming these business challenges. Feel the impact of collaborating with a team dedicated not only to short-term goals, but also to building long-term partnerships and achieving sustained success. Embark on an exciting journey to redefine the possibilities of e-commerce and create a legacy of unparalleled excellence. Take decisive action now. Follow their link in the show notes to receive a complimentary audit of your Shopify store conducted by a GSM expert. Propel your e-commerce game to new heights with GSM Growth Agency. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. All right, Kevin. So uh, we're back. This is all great stuff because you know, I talk to people about sales. I talk to people about my marketing. I talk to people about leadership. And it's really, uh, I'm not sure what's more important. I think it's just they're all important. And I think people, I guess they call you. They don't really know the answer, but they know something's wrong, Right. right? And they clearly having a problem. People are leaving and, and it's not a good environment. You feel bad going to work every morning and those kind of stuff. So the intangible. So they know they got a problem. They just got to figure out how to, yeah. what they got to do. And the really them. good news is pretty much everything that they have to do with their leaders is, is all pretty much free. Right. It's really about paying attention. It's listening to employees. Um, it, it's about, you know, empowering them, although I'm not crazy about that word. It's, it's about developing right. them. Right. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you do, there's lots of surveys out recently as as one employees, you know, even the, the current generation, they want they want to be developed. They want flexibility. Uh, they they right. want to learn. Uh, and, you know, if you can spend some time there, which is relatively inexpensive or of no cost, uh, when they're ready to make a decision where somebody says, hey, you know, I can give you two dollars more an hour, you know, give you an extra five thousand. Uh, they'll have second thoughts about it. Uh, if they're in an environment, you know, it always goes back to, you know, people don't leave companies, they leave managers. And if, if you have that developed, you've developed that relationship with them uh, where they can come and yeah. talk to you, um, you're going to be able to keep them. And like I said, use the attrition calculator. You can just do it for one person, you know, and you're going to find out it's, you know, in normal salaries, you're going to save twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. Uh, uh, sure. Just on losing one person, and if you multiply that, you're losing. You know, the, like the company we were working with, they were losing about ten of them a month. Right? It was just uh, ten people a month. Yeah, it was a big organization, and they had thirty percent, thirty-two percent turnover, and you know they were. And the problem was, is it took about eighteen months to train the people, and they would right around yeah. one year. Most people would have enough, and bam, they were gone. So they have to start. So they would didn't even get through the training. Through the, they didn't even get to the point where they were at kind of a peak peak performance. They were still, you know, working and developing, and you know, it was a customer support environment. They were doing that, but they hadn't even got to the point where they could move to a second or third level support person. So it was really frustrating right. for them. 
frustrating for the, the employees as well. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, how do people find you? Like, like you know, this company in Northern Arizona, how did they find you? Was it a referral? Did you put an ad in the paper? You take an ad on the Goodyear blimp? Well, what, what are you well doing the first thing is, is we've never done, you know, in the 16 years, we've never done any advertising whatsoever. So we have, we have a website. Okay. You can find us at, if you go to magnaleadership.com, you can see all the stuff that mm-hmm. we're doing. Uh, you can reach me, Kevin, at magnaleadership.com. You know, I'm always open to talk to people, you know, about, uh, and I do lots and lots of entrepreneurial coaching for individuals. The promise mm-hmm. I will give to anyone who reaches out to me is you'll get zero sales pitch from me. I'm not going to s- try to sell you on me or our company or whatever. I want to learn about you. And if there's something I can help with, I'll offer it to you. And quite often I, I'll say, hey, I'm not the, for what you're looking for, I'm not the right person. But I know lots of people yeah. are. Here's other people you can go to. Uh, and, and that's just sure, just, just free. For, for them to, to right. do that. So. Right. So so you're doing marketing, networking, referral-based stuff? Mo- like, mo- I mean, somebody's got to find yeah, stuff good, now, a right? good, here's, here's my best tip for everyone. If you don't have a Google business page, that's the very right. first thing you have to do. Uh, that's the first right. thing I tell when I you know con- uh, kind of uh, coach people that are starting up new businesses. The very first thing you have to do even before you do your, your web pages, do the Google business page. Um, we've gotten, um, you, we usually probably get about two, three, four inquiries a year. And of that, we probably convert at least 50% of them. Um, and it's, right. You can set it up. In fact, I just coached somebody yesterday and, and I had told him about doing this a couple of weeks ago and he called me yesterday and I said, he said, yeah, I set up my Google business page. It took me five minutes. Then I spent out 55 minutes kind of honing it. Uh, and it's all up and up and running. So under an hour uh, to do that. So that's the first thing to do. And then the, and I'll talk about, Mitch, I'll talk about the six P's of the other things that you have to do. And one of those is what it's called presence, which is, is a P and that's kind of how you, um, uh, you know, people find you through social media uh, and each social media is, we use a lot of LinkedIn and uh, YouTube mm-hmm. uh uh, Twitter, uh, we have Facebook business page, you know, those kind of things. We don't do, you know, for the stuff that we're doing, uh, executive coaching and, and leadership, we don't use TikTok or mm-hmm. Instagram or, or, right. or those types of things. Yeah, it's just not the right platform right. for you, right? But you're right. Presence is important. I think that if you look at somebody, if I'm looking for a company to work with, a lawyer, you know, a, a, you know, a company like yours, whatever, if they don't have like the basic things that are easy to do, I que- it looks suspicious. Like, why wouldn't they have a Google business page? Why wouldn't they have a couple of pages on social yeah. media? It's free and it's easy and it's the kind of things you should do first. So it always calls in a question like, do they have really their organization together? Are they real? Or they, they know anything about the world? You know, this type of stuff. And I, I did the same thing. You know, I got my Google thing. It's funny thing was somebody just recently emailed me and said, hey, I looked you up on Google, your Google page, your phone number is wrong. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking... It was an old phone number on there. So I go on the Google page. There's some phone number. I don't know how it got changed. Somebody hacked the page or whatever. Don't recognize the number. It's just some random phone number. It doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I had to email yeah. to them to change it. Yeah. I don't think they've done yeah. yet. And, and the tip I give everyone with the Google business page is, you know, um, so we have a, also our webmaster is a good SEO kind of guy, uh, search engine optimization. Um, and what mm-hmm. he tells me is, you know, what the business page really likes is consistency. So we try to post a photo 
at least once or twice a month. We post our articles there. You go in and do a little bit of modification, you know, so it shows that shows that you're active. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of work, and you don't have to be a programmer to do it. It's 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 super easy. So that's that's a great place to start. And then, of course, you really do need a, a website. One of the things that I have found is. Uh, when somebody contacts me and they want to try to sell me something, if you know it's Joe at hotmail.com or at Yahoo or, or AOL, I've had even one guy just recently who had AOL. I'm not sure, wasn't even sure that still existed. There are some attorneys that still have it. I deal with them. They still have AOL email. Yeah. So, it so it's like get, get your, like get really your own URL, right? Like get your own domain name, right? right? So, it, I mean, yeah. it's what is it? I think it must be 10 bucks a year for that. Yeah, and you do it through Google Workspace or whatever, and it's Easy. not gmail.com. Right. It's, you know, bindhackerlaw.com, exactly. right? Yeah. So, all right, so do you want to talk about the six Ps? Yes, please. All right, so, the, so let's start with the, you know, from the question that you, we started, that you started me with is the first P is, is what we call presence, right? So presence is your mm-hmm. social media presence, how people can find you, right? And you need to pick the mm-hmm. platform uh, and you need to be consistent. We post on social media Every single day, the very first thing I do, first thing in the morning, is I get up, I do about 10 or 15 minutes. I have a RSS feed that feeds me, you know, probably 20 or 30 articles. Uh, I review the articles. And then we use a program called, and there's lots of them, like um, uh, HubSpot, but we use one called Meet, Meet, Meet Edgar. Right? If anybody hasn't used that, awesome yeah. platform. Um, is that a multi-platform posting yeah. tool like Buffer? Hootsuite, exactly. any of those kind? Exactly. All right, I'll check it out. Meet, Meet Edgar, Edgar, you said? Um, and the thing I love about yeah. Meet Edgar, uh, and we had hired a virtual assistant uh, probably about 10 years ago, and she got all of this set up for us. Um, uh, the one thing about Meet Edgar, which I, I really love, is you, you can identify, you know, it defaults to it posts to Twitter and YouTube and uh, LinkedIn, we have a LinkedIn business page, post there, post to Facebook. So you can click and you can do them all or you can just do uh, whichever ones you want. But the cool thing about Meet Edgar is it has a function in there that it that just says edit and you click it and it goes in and it scans the article and it pulls out key quotes. And rather than just posting the article, it pulls out a key quote in a quotation mark up front, which kind of looks mm-hmm. like your this is your quote um uh, right. and it gives you kind of a highlight from the article and it gives you about you know usually about four to six variations and then it posts different variations like one might go to twitter one might go to, to youtube um and and it makes it look very nice. very personalized um which is right. just an and i think it's like 350 bucks for the year right and you can do unlimited okay. posts so, so something like that so, so yeah, so find your presence. Okay. This is how people are going to find you. Uh, so that's the first P. The second P is what we call product, right? You need to have something unique, okay. some unique shtick that differentiates you. Um, and quite often that's, it's a, a combination of elements. And I think one of the things that when I've helped, when I've done coaching for people who are between jobs or looking to change jobs or, or whatever, the first thing I ask them is like, tell me about yourself as if this is an interview and everybody's the same way. You know, it's like I have, you know, 10 years of experience in doing this and I have these degrees and, you know, I have an interest in this and I've worked for this company and bing, 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 bing. Um, and then my last question after they're done kind of telling me why I should hire them, I ask them one critical question. Like, what will the next person tell me 
that's any different than what you just told me because they're all applying for the same job. And usually the response right. is, uh, well, probably they would tell you the same thing. So what ma- what makes you right. different, right? And you need to really right. think about that. So uh, create a product. You know, our differentiator is, you know, we're all nerd engineers, you know, uh, in the company. We've made that transition into leadership development. We have doctoral degrees in the stuff that, that we're teaching, and we all have, you know, 20, 30 plus years of, of doing the kind of things that you would, you know, what you would do if you were going to build your own leadership development and, and having, particularly from a technical perspective, having that ability to sit down, you know, uh, cause I like, I can speak nerd, uh, to, to, to sit down with people that are product managers. You know, when I was a product manager, you know, I had, clients that, you know, I managed the relationship with Apple and Intel and, and Microsoft and uh, HP and uh, Epson and Canon and, and, and those guys and ha- being able to sit down because I, I like the techie stuff as well, adds that level of credibility. And what we found is most people who are really good trainers are great trainers, but they don't come with a not a deep knowledge of the tech side. And, and that's a, that's a differentiator. And we bake that into our product, you know, particularly we do a lot with manufacturing and a lot of high tech stuff. Uh, and that's rather okay. than just kind of generic type of thing. So presence, product. Um, the, the third thing you need is you need people, which is your network. Uh, right now, we're probably running about 20,000 connections. I'd say probably better than half of those are executives on LinkedIn. Um, and there's a prop. Collective. Like you and your partner? I'm sorry? Collectively. No. I mean, you, you me. and your partners have about 20,000? Just, just me. you. Just me. And then Very our good. business page is running about just a little under 2,000 at the moment because we didn't start that up till about a year and a half ago. Um, but, um, you know, what we're going to give away right at the end is, you know, so I wrote, actually co wrote a book with one of my graduate students from ASU when I was teaching in ASU called Ready, Set, Get Hired. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really a, a book about, how we used my process to find clients and develop relationships with clients, you know, build that network, uh, how to do that to get a job. Uh, it was written by Rita Creasy Reed and, uh, she used the process. It's all in the book. Um, and she got her Nirvana job took some time, particularly when you're looking for senior management position, takes a little bit of time uh, to do that. Right. So build, build your network. Uh, you need to be, you know, one of the things we found out as as an entrepreneur early on is that you want to be, you need to use the 80-20 rule and 80, 80% of your time should be selling, connecting, having a conversation, not cold calling, um, making connections, no, no. giving things away, right. you know, helping others, right, so that you can build those relationships. And the other 20% of the time is on development of, of your shtick or your product. One of the things that we right. fell victim to was... We had we didn't have that balance early on because we wanted to develop lots and lots of stuff and uh, and you need to have a good pipeline. We use the ten percent rule. You need ten per, ten, yeah. 10 people in the organizations in a pipeline and anticipating you're going to get one of those at any right. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kevin, you know lawyers are, are famous for this. Like they want to do their work, they don't want to get involved in networking, business development. And I always tell them all, listen, you should be spending eighty percent of your time. Developing new relationships, networking, finding new business, and squeeze in the work in the other twenty percent, and you will never starve. You do it the other way, 
you're going to have ups and downs like a roller coaster. You'll be out of work. You got to look for more work. You got to fill the pipeline. You just can't operate that way. It's not. It's yeah. not good. Yeah. So, so spend, spend, spend that time. You're going to get a really good return on investment on that. So that's the third one. Yeah. Presence, product, people. Okay. Uh, the fourth one is uh, provisions. Right. This this is your cash. This is your ability to invest in yourself. And I learned a, a great deal before we pulled the trigger and we all punched out of our really nice corporate cushy jobs with 401ks and retirement plans and, you know, nice paychecks and uh, health care and all of that. Um, right. We we spoke to, um, I'm part of the Target Training International and that network of consultants. And we, I talked to probably a dozen different ones and they all told me, I, I have this kind of common theme. They said, you need to be willing to invest in yourself and your company for at least 18 to 24 months. And, and during that period of time, if you get any kind of clients that are feeding that cash flow, you need to think of that as a windfall. But um, most organizations, particularly consulting, is going to go out of business in that period of time. 85%, I think, is their, the number they shared with me. Um, and if you're not willing to invest in that, and you know, if you're making whatever, let's call it cut ten thousand a month, you know, and you're there, and you're right. you're not making any money for eighteen months, uh, that's a you have to think about it as a, as a lost opportunity, cost opportunity. Um, but that's one hundred eighty thousand right. dollars. You got to think about whether you have, and, yeah, and you got to think about whether you have staying power. And, and most and most people don't think of that. Don't think of that way. Um, and if you don't really have this this belief that you're going to be successful, then what happens is you end up starting to take bad business, you know, and, and, and it, it, and it becomes focused on the money instead of doing what you want to love right. to do. Right. Money should be the byproduct. So, right, right, right. And then, you know, what happens, you end up bringing in more of the bad clients that you didn't want. Cause now you're stuck on that road where people are referring you and you get noted for, Oh, Dr. Mitch, and next thing you know, you get all these clients you don't want to work with, and you're just yeah, miserable. Yeah. So provisions, that's that's the fourth item. Um, okay, I got and, it. And then the fifth fifth item we have that I have of the six Ps is publication. You know, one of the things that we had done, uh, which probably one of the best things we had ever done, is when we started the company in 07, You know, in the first year, we wrote our first book. It's called The Leader of Oz. You know, and we took the story of the Wizard of Oz, uh, and we wrote a business parable about. It's a company in Kansas that gets whisked away and dropped into Silicon Valley, and you got the wicked VP from the east and the wicked VP from the west. Sounds like a. <laughs> it was it was awesome. Excuse me. Um, and um, we wanted to have we wanted to write a book that had all of the heavy academics in it, but we wanted it to be fun fun to read. So it's really our system of leadership of how to build teams and how to build leaders. And, and, and the one thing that, that um, all of my consulting, the successful consultants that coached us ahead of time said has to be a hardcover. So it is a hardcover book, right? They said, do not do it. Why hardcover? They, they said there, there's a, there's a different look and feel, particularly because you're selling this to a CEO or a president. There's a different look and feel mm-hmm. of people when they have, they, they feel that hardcover book. There's some sense of legitimacy. Um, and, and by the way, I, the difference was, uh, set, I think it was 75 cents for the hard hardcover. Between the, the cost of making the hardcover the versus... Soft. Yeah, it was like, like it was 75 cents. It was like nothing. So 
So be, having crazy. that ability, um, we're actually getting ready to go on our third printing. We've sold out our first two printings. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, ha- having that ability to hand that to a, um, a per- prospective client or send it to them in, in the mail um, is worth its weight in gold. And, and it, it, it's really the closing mechanism. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. what we tell people is, Hey, this is how we develop leaders. And you can see, read it in a fun way. Um, we we created the audio book so you can get it on audible as well. It's about a three hour listener. So we designed it so you could read it on an airplane. Uh, and it has at the end of each chapter, it has what we call marvelous leadership secrets. So it has kind of a summary of the concepts, um, that you're, that we want you to get out of it. Uh, so it's very, very practical. Uh, kind of book. Um, so, so Kevin, when you talk about publication, you don't necessarily mean that everyone should go write a book, right? But people could be creating collateral material to improve their um, uh, their perception of, you know, um, you know, people's perception of their knowledge and, you know, the fact they know what they're doing and that they've been in the business. Or should everyone write a book? Is that what you're saying? Yes, and yes. Right. I'm, I'm saying they should be publishing articles. You know, I probably have like 35 plus articles that I've that I published around different concepts. Uh, but what I am saying yeah. is and everyone has told us this is you have to write the book. Right. The, the, you know, because most people don't recognize how how easy and simple it is to get published. And particularly today, like, you know, eight, 16 years yeah, ago when we were starting, hard, it was much yeah. more difficult today. You know, yeah, you write a book, you find an on-demand publisher, they get it on Amazon in two yeah, weeks. Done. Right, Ex- exa- right. exactly. Um, and you can either do it if you're if you really are not a good writer. Uh, you can go. You know, we've wor- we've worked with organizations like Upwork. You can go and get somebody to help ghostwrite it for you, or or edit it, or or whatever. Um, so there's lots and lots of ways ways to do that. Uh, so yeah, right. so you, you definitely yeah, definitely want that in your in your tools. <laughs> Okay, that was number right. five. And five. So, so let's, one more the break. sixth one is what we call I call persistence. Right, this is the determination okay. to continue through the difficulty. Right, and my, the, right. Well, that's probably the most important thing because everyone faces adversity in business. Everyone got to be resilient. It, it, right? it is. In fact, we we're we're just releasing a program called Leading for Resilience. We did our pilot uh, yesterday uh, with a bunch of healthcare professionals, um, and the thing with persistence is is first of all, um, willpower is, n- is not an unlimited resource and you have to recognize that. And as you get into it, particularly, you know, if you're into developing things at 18 months or whatever, I remember having that 18 month call with, with, with everybody on the staff. Uh, and we hadn't landed our big project yet. Uh, actually it came in at 19 months and it was, I don't know, quarter million, $350,000. So it was, it was a really nice chunk of change. But it, it took us that amount of time to kind of get that, that PO. One of the things that I tell people is uh, for the persistence, you need to have a mentor or coach or colleague or uh, confidant or somebody that can continue to work for you. And, and right. whether, whether if they're available, you know, at no cost to you, fantastic. And if, they're, and if they're not, go find someone that can help you accelerate your business uh, and a lot of people say, well, gee, I'm starting up a business. I don't have whatever, $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 a month to, to be able to, to help get the right level of expertise. And, and my, my point to them, which, which 
the other consultant said to me is, is what would it be worth to you if you can bring in that client one month earlier, right? One, one month, one right. month earlier, uh, you know, what would that $300,000 or quarter of a million kind of translate to? Well, so it'd be an extra $10,000. So get it, get it a, a month right. earlier. That's an extra 10,000 that you didn't have, you know, and if you've spent 10,000 yeah. for the year coaching or 5,000, whatever the number is, um, it's, it's a really, really good investment. And I, and I think the thing that, that we found, Mitch, is that too many people yeah. try to do it all on their own. They don't partner with right. people. Uh, they don't create alliances. Uh, and, and the whole marketing thing, as you know, is, is, is a tough business, particularly, you know, at least I have a third years of experience of doing marketing and development. And it's, it's still even hard for, for us. So, so I'd say is, is maintain the persistence, go get a coach, get, get somebody that, that can be helpful to you. Um, and you can tap into their expertise so you can be successful that much earlier. Cause it'll tell you, uh, in the 18 to 24 month range, if something hasn't hit, hit where it's going to be able to be, be able to fund the organization, most people are going to be back kind of, you know, looking in the, in the corporate world of going back into the big machine. Very good. Very good. All right. So we got the, got the six. I mean, look, a lot of this stuff, the funny thing is a lot of this stuff is like, you're like, no kidding. Like it's intuitive, like presence and stuff, but people don't, don't. do it. Yeah. 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 They don't do it. And the persistence is probably the hardest part because I don't think people realize how hard it's going to be to, to be in business for themselves or run their companies or, you know, on the good day, I always tell people, if you like it on the, on the, the worst days, then you'll be fine because the good days are the easy parts. And, and it, you know, every life just doesn't happen in a straight line. If that's the right term, you know, it just, there's bumps and bruises in life and you got to be persistent. The best ones. I had a guy, my podcast on Thursday, yesterday, we did a live episode and uh, he told this story of resist resiliency and persistence. You wouldn't believe he was like from Ukraine. And then he went to, I don't know, United Arab, Arab Emirates or something. There was some program where they would pay to have you over there. He was a waiter was making no money working 24 hours a day. He's like, there's got to be something better. And one day he finds a book or somebody gives him a book about uh, Facebook ads that you can sell things on Facebook. And he's like, I thought like, like Facebook goes to like Coca-Cola goes to Facebook and they write a check for $250,000 and they put ads. I didn't think you could do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And he starts to sell this whole world and now he's successful, but he had nothing. He was broke, but it, but look, being unsuccessful was not an option for him. Yeah. It wasn't, he wouldn't accept it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And that's what persistence is all about, right? You can accept it or not. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, being kind of having the, you know, the provisions, the cash, the P, you know, where, you know, if I didn't make any money, it didn't matter. I think was, uh, is always a little bit detrimental. You got to have a little bit of, of hunger there. Uh, the, the hunger yeah. for me comes from what I've been seeing with lots and lots of organizations just struggling with bad management. And, you know, the hunger comes with is I re just really want to help them, right? Because, you know, the whole management leadership stuff really is free to, to them if they spend the time uh, do doing it and developing their people. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, out of fairness to all the other people that struggle, you haven't gone the path of, you know, uh, you know, f failing and, and struggling and 
figuring out you went, you know, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't do what you do who went the corporate route. That's they would stay in corporations. They're comfortable. They'll do their training. They'll develop programs, maybe go to another company. They wouldn't go out and do it, you know, like you did. So, you know, maybe, maybe the fact that you did are a planner and you did have it planned out and you did do it methodically got you to where you are because you didn't have to. You know, it, it, it is right. Have, having a plan is, is completely invaluable. The, the challenge that I find is I probably do a one call a month of colleagues that I've had um, either at Intel or, or outside that have gotten downsized, right? Like, oh, you know, division, <laughs> you know, they, they cut the division in half or whatever. The and then that's yeah, when they're, that's when they're thinking about that. what do I do next? And that is not the time to be thinking about it. Um, and no, you know, thus the accidental entrepreneur people end yeah. up in entrepreneurship by default. And they, and look, lawyers are the same way. I get guys call me there. Um, you know, I'm looking for work and I'm like, okay, well, you're 55 years old. You're my age. What kind of book of business do you have? And they're like, well, I don't have a book of business. I need a job. Yeah. I, well, they're going to hire the 35 year olds and not hiring the 55. I hate to tell you, but we're not that valuable, <laughs> you know, and you're in trouble because you haven't, you haven't developed the clientele and things like that. So it's, yeah, th- that's a difficult position to be in when you've just followed the system and stayed with it. And, you know, corporations don't always act like people matter, although there's no people, there's no companies left. But, you know, it's kind of ironic. But that's what happens, right? You get downsized. The industry changes, whatever. There's a big shakeup. And now what do you do? And I met a lot of people during pandemic. There's a lot of people that are entrepreneurs nowadays, Kevin, that are some of them maybe shouldn't be entrepreneurs or they don't have any other choice. And it's, I've seen more individual business owners and entrepreneurs in the last three or four years than in my entire mm-hmm. life up until that point, because the world has changed, you know, and they're not all doing it yeah. willingly. And I, I would say is entrepreneurship is not for everyone, right? That it, it is, right. it is very much a roller roller coaster. And if you, if that's not, you know, kind of what feeds you, uh, then you want to, you want to have second thoughts about it. But I think most of the calls that I get of like, Hey, I've been downsized. I see you've been doing this for 16 years. Can you just hire me? All I have to do is like work one day a month. I'll charge him $10,000. And then the other 29 days I'll be off surfing on the, on the beach, you know, and and what they don't understand is is it really doesn't, doesn't work that way. It's, you know, it's a 24 seven thing. You're doing lots, you're doing to get that, whatever it is, five, $10,000, uh, a, a right. day kind of gig. You're working harder than you used right. to work. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, but you know what? The resources are out there. If you become a student of the business, if you say, listen, I want to be successful at this, they can find people like you. They can find coaches. They can find, learn how to write a business plan and yeah. read the books. And you know, that's how this kid from the UAE made it because he found the resource. He figured they were out there. He found them. He, then he connect with people and he started mentoring and coaching with people just because he was sharing things on Facebook. Like this was all e-commerce, right? All click funnel type mm-hmm. of stuff. And he's like, Listen, you can do this just for free. He'd like putting in these forms. You can do this. This is how I did it and whatever. And then people, somebody called him one day and said, Hey, will you help me right. set up my e-commerce business? Who The guy later became his partner. And it happened just because he was giving back because of all the struggles that he yeah. had, but he became a student of the business. He knew he had to learn more and more and invest in himself and, like you said, I think you brought that up that you have to invest in yourself mm-hmm. and invest in your knowledge and teach yourself and always do that and have a coach or a mentor. I'm a big, you know, you heard the ad for tab right. for one of my sponsors, a big proponent of advisory boards or an advisor or mentor, but you're right. It doesn't always have to be paid. Mm-hmm. You could find people who you know, who can help you until you're ready to 
you know, pay somebody or whatever, but don't do it alone. Yeah. Nobody's made it alone, very yeah. rarely. I've, I've had lots and lots of help. I think the last tip I'll give everyone, yeah. Mitch, is, is early on, we created alliances, in particular alliance with one organization, that we went and said, hey, you have the kind of clients uh, that could benefit from our stuff, and we're complementary to you. We're not mm-hmm. doing the same stuff that you're doing. They were doing things on negotiations and conflict, and we didn't do we didn't do that at the time. We did a lot of leadership stuff, uh, and we partnered mm-hmm. with them. And they had lots of clients that wanted leadership stuff, and they said, "Yeah, we, they've been asking for that." You know, they had a business for thirty years. Um, they've been asking for that, and we we just don't know what to do. I would love to bring you in as part of you know our brand, and then you, you yeah. tell us what you want to charge. We'll put a adder on top of that, and you know you make money, and we we Thanks make money, money, right? And that that way we're more right. of a full so service are, for the client. Alliances are key. Very good. Very good. Well, I, Kevin, I can't thank you enough for spending now more than an hour with me. Not everybody makes it past an hour, so I appreciate it. And uh, we'll put a link in the show notes um, if people are interested in the okay. book. Uh, they can purchase the book. If you want to give a couple of away, if we get some uh, emails for asking for it, I'll let you know. Sure. Well, I'm going to I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a URL for the book. Uh, okay. It's, it's okay. magnaleader.co, not com. Okay. Forward okay. slash capital J is just for you, right? So so okay, and, and anyone can get the what the, it'll show up as a PDF as a reviewer's copy. And if you like it, well, mm-hmm. the reviews are always appreciated. And if you don't like it, don't leave us a review. Uh, no strings attached. Okay. Uh, and if you have questions on it, you can, you know, you can just reach me at Kevin at Magna Leadership. Great. We'll put all those in the show notes and I can't thank you enough for all coming right. on. Thanks, Mitch. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and made to order music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.